A I N M E N U Main Menu Main Menu Main Menu Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Main Menu for Friday the 13th. I'm Jason Castingway. And I'm Randy Rusnak. And Friday the 13th is good luck for this show, isn't it, Jason? It sure is. We know how to turn things around. We sure do. Jason, who do we have coming up first? First, we're going to hear from Eric Bridges, the newly appointed executive director of ACB. And next, we'll hear from Stephanie Kelper, who is one of the founders of Be Specular. And if you don't know what Be Specular is, you soon will. Okay, uh, Jason, you want to start it off here and we'll just get to it? Well, first of all, I want to congratulate you on your being newly appointed executive director of ACB. That's great. Thank you. It's a great honor and, you know, I'm really looking forward to the challenge. It's a big challenge. (laughs) I can imagine. (laughs) And so to start out, I guess I'd like to ask, how did you become involved in ACB? I've became a member of ACB through its student affiliate in 1999. I was a junior in college and I went to school at the University of Iowa and I had a wonderful experience at the University of Iowa from a social standpoint, from an academic standpoint, but one of the challenges that I had was I was one of very, very few blind or visually impaired students on a campus of roughly 30,000 students. Wow. And so I had challenges in getting my textbooks in on time, which is not a surprise to anybody that, you know, Mm -hmm. was was young at that time going to school, (laughs) had had some challenges with professors and getting them to release their syllabi uh, far enough ahead of time so that I could ensure that I could get whatever I needed in time. Um, as well as there were literally two or three Braille printers on campus that were from the late 70s. And, okay. <laughs> so I had some uh, real sort of fundamental challenges from time to time. I'm not going to sit here and say it was that way the whole four years I was in school. But one of the big stumbling blocks for me was, you know, what are my rights and um I mean, I I knew essentially what my rights were, but also what are other blind students doing around the country when they encounter these problems? I uh, learned through the Disability Student Services that there was this organization called the National Alliance of Blind Students, which is now known as ACB Students, that might be a good resource for me to reach out to, to be able to have conversations, get information on any number of issues, but, you know, these were the ones that were the most critical to me in my academic success. And so I reached out to a couple of individuals within the student affiliate and came to realize that my experience was by no means unique. And what I found was a welcoming group of students that wanted to um, include me in their uh you know, in in dialogue, uh, be it over email or conference calls. And that's how I got my foot in the door with ACB was through them. And I eventually became an officer of the affiliate. And uh, that was my experience with ACB. Um, What got me interested in the legislative process and advocating for accessibility and all of that really started the summer before my last semester in college, which would have been the 10th anniversary of uh, the ADA, 
Americans with Disabilities Act. This was in 2000. I did a summer internship in Washington, D.C. for Senator Tom Harkin of Iowa. Most of us realized that he was really the driving force behind the Americans with Disabilities Act. He actually just recently retired at the beginning of this year. But that experience and being able to actually do some work directly with him that summer had a profound impact on my level of interest in legislation on disability policy. But I'll be frank with you, um, being 21, 22 years old in Washington, D.C. in the summertime, that was pretty fun. Yes. We had, I, had a, I had a great time. I made a lot of friends and decided that I really wanted to pursue this avenue as a career after college. Wow, that's great. Yeah. So I began looking for employment opportunities that summer because I didn't want to come back and obviously not have anything set up. Mm-hmm. I loved Iowa. I still love Iowa very much, but I didn't really want to live there for one of the big reasons is the lack of public transportation within the state. And one of the things that I fell in love with when I was living out here was the ability to just go wherever I wanted, whenever I wanted, not having to schedule my life like so many people have to because the public transit system here is is excellent. So I interviewed and took a job with National Industries for the Blind and started there right after graduation, literally a couple weeks after I graduated. And National Industries for the Blind is based in Alexandria, and I've been living out here ever since. Oh, okay. So that was quite a move from Iowa to Virginia. Yeah, I was born and raised in Iowa. Uh, okay. went, to, went to the University of Iowa. So, yeah, it was. It was big. I didn't really know anybody out here. So now that you're in the position that you're in, Eric, what kind of things do you see yourself doing? I'm sure you're going to want to change a few things that you might have noticed in recent years. Any thoughts on that? Well, I think the biggest thing is further expanding on what I had been doing in my previous role, and that is collaborating with corporations concerning accessibility issues. But even more than that, we need to be enhancing our development and fundraising capabilities. And so working with foundations, working with companies that have foundations to ensure that, you know, the next five years of ACB is better than the last five years mm-hmm. to our ability to to sustain ourselves, but also my sincere hope is that we grow, that we're able to provide more services to our members. Um, my hope is that our staff can expand to be able to provide more direct assistance to our affiliates and our members. So those are some of the overarching aspects of, of my job. You know, I, I want to see us do better. And uh, I believe that we can. We've set a foundation over the last couple of years to be able to work from. It's not going to be easy because, you know, nonprofits, all of us are competing for some most of the same dollars. So differentiating ourselves. Oh, I know from, how that goes. I, I worked for nonprofit for many years and I know where you're coming from. But, you know, I think our presence digitally is something that is very important as well. The release of ACB Link, I think, was a, a great thing. Um, yes. Being, being able to expand on that app, build it out, uh, moving into the future, um, is something that, uh, you know, I think can do nothing but help us. 
blind people and their iPhones or their Androids being able to access our information from one app and not having to always rely on going on a website is something that is key. And it'll, it'll be key for obviously all demographics, but for the younger generation of you know kids or students who are blind or visually impaired, being able to access our information with one tap yeah, so much of the time I would hear comments like, uh, I would say um, to the general public, have you listened to our shows? Oh, no, I, I haven't because I have to sit down on a PC and I don't really want to do that. And so times have definitely changed. And then uh, we brought the ACB link on board and people are going, oh, yeah, this is just great. So I know where that leads to. Mm. No, and I think it's tremendously helpful for ACB radio. You know, there's the ability to just click and listen, much like the other radio apps that are out there, makes ACB radio, in my view, so much more appealing. Because you're right, you don't have to get in front of a laptop or a PC to access it. And the content with ACB radio has really changed and has, is you know in a very good place, too, and is something that is evolving, which I think is really healthy. Yeah, I can remember accessing material back around 2003, 2002. And listening through a modem, just thinking how cool it was to access sound back in those days. And my son would come into the room, and uh, he was, you know, quite young at the time, and he'd say, Dad, doesn't this give you a feeling of power? <laughs> when you can access sound through your computer. Yeah. And, you know, things are definitely changing. People are walking around with smart devices and just accessing so much audio and video online. And, yeah, it's it's really great to see it. I'm glad that it finally came out. No, and the other thing, though, that I think we can never forget, and I don't believe that we are, I think we're pretty conscious of it, is the spectrum of technology needs within our community and the level of comfort in accessing technology. Those are things that, uh, especially for people that go blind maybe later in life, it can be a, a pretty daunting thing. So still being able to access ACB radio by telephone and having you know, the website available is, um, I think it's great. I think, you know, we maximize our opportunity to touch people by making this information available on different platforms. Well, one of the things I thought might be nice for listeners too is maybe you could provide a recap of your accomplishments so far and what your previous title was before you were appointed executive director. Sure. I've actually held a couple of titles before executive director. Before I came to ACB, I was a, a Legis fellow through the Brookings Institution, which is a public policy think tank here in, in Washington. I worked for a member of Congress, uh, John Klein, who represents a district right outside of uh, Minneapolis. So I worked for him, but during my time with him, this job opening at ACB came up and I applied. And so in June of 2007, I came to work as the Director of Advocacy and Governmental Affairs with ACB. In that role, for roughly the next six years, I was really ACB's face to Congress as well as the federal government and then also to corporations. And there were three major legislative achievements during that time. Mm -hmm. uh, first was the CVAA, the 21st Century Communications and Video Accessibility Act, which literally, 
I started working on it in June of 2007 with a group known as COAT, the Coalition of Organizations for Accessible Technology. And that organization had a steering committee or founding organizations, of which ACB was one, but it was the National Association of the Deaf, the American Foundation for the Blind, the American Association of People with Disabilities, and Communication Services for the Deaf. So it was very much sensory disability-based, as, frankly, is the CVAA, right? It's, it's mainly focused on people who are blind or visually impaired or people who are, and, and also deafblind, and people who are also deaf and hard of hearing. And so for roughly the next three years, I got a daily education in telecom policy, technology policy, in uh, communications law, which is really interesting. It's probably the best word <laughs> to say. But yep. that bill was a landmark piece of legislation, and it was the only other significant piece of legislation that it could really be compared to was the Americans with Disabilities Act for the level of access that it promised to provide to individuals with disabilities who, through accessing technology, things like smartphones, tablets, as well as your home theater. Mm -hmm. So that was signed into law in October of 2010. Um, starting in like 2008 through roughly the same time period, ACB and myself, we had been working on something called the Pedestrian Safety Enhancement Act. It's a more common name is the Quiet Car Bill, which oh, okay. really sought to deal with the unintended consequences of hybrid and electric vehicles, in particular when these vehicles are traveling at low speeds. And yes. when these vehicles are traveling at low speeds, they're more likely to come into contact with pedestrians. <laughs> um, so roughly 18 miles an hour and under, these vehicles, there's not a real discernible noise until they're literally right upon you. And so one of the members of Congress that introduced the bill, former Congressman Cliff Stearns, a Republican from Florida, he and his wife were leaving a grocery store and they were in the parking lot getting ready to put their groceries in their vehicle when a car came whizzing by nearly hitting them and it turned out it was a Prius. And that's what got him interested. I love how sighted people say this, you know, we have this problem and we can see. So... <laughs> <laughs> identified with our, our issue and really it's you know it's a public safety issue yes the blind community we were the ones that that identified it and put uh, messaging around it but really it's it's not just a blindness issue and so this bill and actually we're expecting later this month for the final regulations to come out for this law that really deals with minimum sound emissions for these vehicles to require that an alert sound be present letting you know that this vehicle is around you when they're traveling at low speeds. Now, I haven't heard anything about that for a long time. My question is, um, when the noise happens, do you have any idea how it's going to work? Let's say the cruise time drops, is that noise just going to kick in, or how, how does that work, or what's it going to sound like? Yeah, so when it gets to a certain mile per hour, and obviously we're waiting for the final regulations, right? So uh -huh. I can't say any of this with 100% certainty. Sure, of course, yeah. What comes out, but what is intended in the law is that the alert sound be activated when the vehicle reaches a miles per hour threshold, and that that alert sound remain until the vehicle is either turned off or moves above the, the mile per hour threshold. 
And this alert sound is not like the old Nokia ringtone or <laughs> IP or, you know, the, the Wicked Witch of the West. The THX theater sound. <laughs> exactly. It's really intended to be appropriate for the environment, right? So our expectations, it would sound similar to an internal combustion engine vehicle, right? So that it's proper context, it makes sense to the pedestrian. We're able then to problem solve, right? Because we there's a vehicle there. So the third achievement dealt with accessible prescription drug labeling. And yeah. the challenges, pretty much universal challenges that blind people have in knowing what is on the label of their prescription drugs. And for a lot of people who are blind, we tend to take multiple prescriptions. There's a lot of homespun ways that blind people through the years have been troubleshooting this, you know, with rubber bands and stickers and all this mm-hmm. other stuff. But the main thing is actually knowing what you've got, how much, how many times a day you're supposed to take it, what, what to take it with, what not to take it with. And so we had legislation introduced in early 2012 that really called for there to be a, a spectrum of options for people who are blind or visually impaired to be able to request when entering a pharmacy. This language was actually included in a much, much larger piece of legislation called the FDA Safety and Innovation Act, which is a huge piece of authorizing legislation that needs to be reauthorized every five years. One of the key components of this was the language called for the U.S. Access Board to convene a a working group to look at the various ways that the container label information could be disseminated to somebody who's blind or visually impaired and then set up uh, best practices for pharmacies. So ACB has had a very proud history of being able to work with pharmacies to get these issues handled. The the challenge has really been a giant game of whack-a-mole, if you've ever played that at the at the county fair. You know, you you hit the you hit the one little hedgehog in one hole and then two others pop out of the other one and then you have to go try and hit them. And so this is a way for the community to be able to arrive at these best practices and approach the pharmacies around the country, be they large chains like Walgreens, which has implemented their own solution here within the last year and a half, or smaller independent chains, um, or even mom and pops. Because uh, like we were talking about earlier with regard to ACB Link, not everybody is going to need or want or even be able to use an app on their phone to be able to get that information. Sure. So large print, Braille, good contrast with large print. A lot of people that are taking advantage of this don't even view themselves as being blind. They just don't see so well anymore. Uh-huh. They're older mm-hmm. people that uh, may or may not be able to drive but they're a definite part of this whole population. I'm really glad to see this happening because I've tried to get some accessibility going uh, with getting some devices implemented just by showing access technology, and uh, I've been met with resistance. People have actually said to me, we are not interested. We don't care. you, You know, you don't care about access technology, and, you know, you try to explain what the issues are and basically they say no this is your problem it's it's resistance that's met with it 
I'm glad that you're working on it. It's just uh, I applaud someone getting in there and changing this because it, it has to be done. Yeah, I would argue that it's their problem. Oh, yeah, um, I agree. I would argue that it's the law, actually. Oh, yeah. There are places of public accommodation, right, pharmacies, and they should be dispensing their medication in a way that's accessible so that we have the same level of information as, as the sighted customer coming in. That's an awful cavalier thing to say. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, it is and it isn't. I'm, I'm kind of curious, too, just to move off the subject a little bit, which has to do with accessibility. When you are watching TV, you know, I'm sure it just annoys the heck out of you to hear these tones come through for weather alerts and for other things. Do you have any thoughts on changing how that is presented, like a tornado watch? Sometimes they don't even tell you yeah. what's on the screen. What are your What are your views on that kind of technology sure. coming well, into play? Well, it, it's coming into play. Good. As a matter of fact, because it's part of the CVAA. Thank you. <laughs> so, the, so the CVAA, just to go back to it real fast, I mean, this, this is... This is a pretty wild piece of legislation. It, it covered, you know, smartphones, feature phones, as well as aspects of laptops from a two-way communication standpoint. You know, the accessibility of, of your internet browser, for instance, or email client, yep. uh, your tablet. It covered all of that. And then moving into sort of the home theater environment, it covers the accessibility of your TV, the accessibility of your cable box, the accessibility of those emergency alerts that you're referring mm-hmm. to. Funny little bit of trivia for you guys. Yeah. Do you know that the FCC instituted that tone that comes before the crawl, right? You, yeah. I think we've all heard that, yeah. right? Oh, the, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know who they did that for? Uh, I would say uh, the deaf and hard of hearing community. They did it for us. Oh, but they really? didn't get any of the information <laughs> after it accessible. Okay. Wow. For the blind community. So this is one of the components that is coming into being through text-to-speech. Okay, so you'll have the ability to access that crawl information through your SAP, your secondary audio. Okay. It's where we access video description, which is another part of the CVAA. For those of us that have Comcast and the voice guidance talking guide, Some of this stuff is easy to access because you have literally the first accessible cable talking guide. I um, right now have a charter communications cable box, and they are not even aware, Eric, that we can watch TV. I can assure you that they are aware. I was in a meeting with them last week. Oh, really? Yes. So the cable industry has another year to come into compliance with the regulations. Charter is a big, big deal because they are in the process of acquiring Time Warner Cable. Oh, really? Which is the second largest cable company in the country, as well as Bright House Cable, which exists mainly in the South. It's like the sixth or seventh largest cable company. Charter's number three. So Charter is acquiring... Time Warner, which is basically Time Warner has all of the large cities in the country that Comcast is not in. Ah. Okay, so that's the deal. So when they're done with this acquisition or these acquisitions, they will be the number two cable provider in the country. And I can assure you that Charter is working on the accessible talking guide. 
I had a very good meeting with them last week. Oh, how nice to right. hear. Um, then I guess their staff really needs to be updated because I... I think they do, yes. <laughs> I had this conversation with them a few days ago. and It's like, uh, sir, uh, in this long pause, and, and you know they just don't know what to say. So I'm really glad to hear that. Yep, there's a ways to go, but... Well, it can't come soon enough for me. I'm 63. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've seen a lot of changes, and uh, this is really great, great news. Uh, everything that you've been saying, from audio to drug needs, well, to drug awareness needs, I, I, probably, should, <laughs> I probably should clarify that. <laughs> the accessibility of drug labels. Yes. There you go. <laughs> Anything else there, that you can think of? Um, yeah, there were, there were two other things sure. that I wanted to raise real briefly. Yeah, um, go ahead. It's, you know, in uh, in March of this year, myself as a individual, along with the American Council of the Blind, filed a lawsuit against four taxi companies in Washington, D.C. for their failure to or refusal to allow me entry into their taxis. And mainly this deals with service animals, mm -hmm. my guide dog, General. He's really kind of the star of this whole thing. Yeah. This has been an issue that's been going on for decades in Washington, D.C., but also it's not unusual around the country to have this sort of discrimination take place. And we're very hopeful that this case, it's, it's gained a lot of uh, national attention, and we're hoping that whatever the outcome is will lead to more awareness of this issue and that this sort of discrimination will stop. It needs to stop. Mm -hmm. uh, some of it might be cultural, some of it might be a lack of training by the taxi companies, but all of it is unacceptable. Mm -hmm. So there's that. And then um, we're gonna be announcing here soon a, a settlement with the General Services Administration, uh, GSA. In uh, April of 2014, three of ACB's members Kathy Goslin, Stan Berman, and Jeff Tom, along with ACB, filed a lawsuit against GSA concerning the inaccessibility of a website that they manage and operate called SAM.gov, as in Uncle Sam. <laughs> and the problem here is that this website, if you're going to be a contractor with the federal government, or if you're a grantee collecting monies from a federal agency, you must register with SAM.gov. And on an annual basis, you need to renew your registration. These three individuals happen to be contractors and uh, could not renew their registration. And they attempted to go through the regular channels to get their challenges resolved and they were not able to be resolved. So we stepped in with them, helped to represent them. And I'm glad to say uh, roughly a year and a half later, there's a, a settlement and uh, GSA is going to be making their website, SAM.gov, accessible. There will be third-party verification of this, and we expect that we will not have this issue with any other GSA website. Great news. Very good. Well, fantastic, guys. Well, uh, you know, in the future, it would be good to maybe look at doing this again, six months or nine months oh, from yeah. now, a year. Sure. I I'm happy to do it. I expect you to hand deliver me a charter talking box. <laughs> <laughs> this Will is, do. This has been great. Yep. Yeah. I think we're, we got a lot of great material here. Thanks, Eric. Sure, no problem, guys. Good luck to you.
Thanks. And now, here's Stephanie Kelper, one of the founders of Be Specular. Hi, Stephanie. Welcome to Main Menu. Hi, thanks for having me. Let's start way at the beginning when you started working with blind individuals, learning about voiceover, uh, learning how we navigate our phones. How did that all begin, Stephanie? I uh, spent a semester in the U.S. last year. So you can probably hear from my accent. I'm South African. Mm-hmm. And I thought I you were from Texas. <laughs> <laughs> and I got the chance to study at Stanford University out by um, Sil- um, Silicon Valley. And part of our uh, project was to be able to start a tech company. And we needed to find uh, a market that we wanted to pursue. And my friends and I really have this passion for helping people. And then we have this equally great passion for technology. So we really wanted to find a space to combine both of them. And so I have a more business background and my co-founder is uh, doing his master's in electrical engineering. So between the two of us, we looked at our skills and who we knew and what we knew about. And we realized that there could be a gap in the, in the market for uh, enabling visually impaired people. And we thought that the products that are out at the moment, um, don't necessarily fulfill uh, all your needs. So, yeah, that's where it started um, just as a project. And we thought that it was too good not to become real. And, yeah, so we've since spent a year developing it and testing it and getting the word out around the world. That's amazing. I've never heard of, uh, I'm going to try to pronounce this, be specular, correct? Yes. Okay, good. How did you come up with the the name for the uh, product? Okay, so specular is a physics term, and it has to do with shadows and what how shadows uh, form from objects. So specular, uh, the S, actually is almost forming a shadow of itself when you have the six dots in Braille. Oh, so, okay. Yeah, so that's what we took. And then B specular, uh, we just thought it was a bit more creative, and you can B spec be part of our community. That's really cool. Thanks yeah, for explaining that. It's a pleasure. We also wanted to make sure we chose a name that was uh, quite broad and didn't limit anyone. You know, it, we didn't want it to be too narrow in the sense of it was just eyes, that if we wanted to uh, expand into uh, other disabilities, which we do, uh, it would be inclusive from the beginning. We didn't have to change anything from, from mm. that. How did you start working with voiceover and working with uh, blind folks where you are? And, uh, you know, just give us a little background on um, how you started okay. with voiceover. If you would. In terms of uh, working with blind people, then uh, I studied in, in South Africa at a university called Stellenbosch. It's down um, south in the Cape, close to Cape Town. And the university is really well known for being very accessible. Uh, there are a lot of disabled students. And uh, it's very common to have a student with a disability in your class. And I'd gotten to know uh, some of the visually impaired students. Um, And then same for my co-founder, actually, he studies in Italy and in his master's engineering class, one of his closest friends, uh, Giulio, is actually also visually impaired. So we naturally had a gravitation towards them, uh, towards visually impaired people, coincidentally, who just happened to be our friends too. And getting um, with voiceover and text-to-speech, I know Giacomo studied uh, accessible technology 
And it was something that he really felt quite strong about. And after doing a bit of research into how accessible iOS is as a platform, that really launched us into it. Mm-hmm. That, that's cool. Now, before I wander off into some other territory, I, I've got to ask you this. Are there any plans at all working with Android? Yes. So we are, uh, we've been de- developing a parallel Android and iOS. Uh, because So we know that in the start, the iOS was more of a dominant uh, a feature that people preferred because I think Apple has made sure that it was accessible from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also that Android is the devices are not as costly and especially in developing countries like for instance South Africa mm-hmm. there's actually a bigger market for, of Android phones to uh, iPhones so we had to make sure that there were both platforms available from the beginning well now I'm curious mm-hmm. uh, do people uh, blind people in South Africa uh, is uh, I iOS dominant there or is uh, Android? Uh, not as much, mainly because of the fact that uh, Apple phones are quite expensive. Mm-hmm. So uh, in South Africa, there are almost a million visually impaired people and 97% of them are unemployed. So, and we don't necessarily have the great uh, disability grants that I think developed countries like America uh, have available. Mm-hmm. So it's definitely more of an Android market here for me. I have... Actually, people that I've spoken with uh, in South Africa, they all seem to be running Android. So I was just curious about that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Now that we've established some of the background, um, we haven't actually talked about what the app does yet. What What does the app do? Okay. So there's uh, two parts to the app. Uh, visually impaired people, uh, when they download the app, have one side when they register and a sighted person registers too. And what it lets a visually impaired person do is actually really personalize the types of questions they have. So you can uh, open the app, take a picture of something, or soon a short video clip, and then ask a question, whether it's either by text or with voice note. You then have, again, a couple of options of how you want to send it. So you could send it to our crowd of sighted people, and a sighted person like myself would get a push notification Mm -hmm. saying, Randy needs your help. Or actually, you could then instead send it to someone on your contact list. So if, it, for example, it's, I know we had one lady who had forgotten her CVV number on her credit card. So you don't necessarily want to send that out <laughs> to no. the crowd. Yes. Yeah. So instead, um, she could then send that question uh, to her daughter. Uh, so those are the two main options with your Q&A. And within a couple of seconds, uh, hopefully under a minute, you'll get a reply uh, either via voice or via text, obviously then with text-to-speech, saying, answering your question. And if need be, you can continue the conversation. If it's more something like you're looking for it on the floor, um, we just want it to be quick and cost-effective and something really friendly but of service that you don't have to worry about bothering anyone. It's... Just something like a Q&A in your pocket. A tool, yep. You know, you've really got my attention here now because... Yes, mine too. I was, go- <laughs> I was going to ask you, you know, in, a, in the nicest manner that I know how, yes. <laughs> um, there are several apps out there that sort of kind of do the same thing, and I was wondering what the difference was, and now I have it figured out that the difference is not only can you receive a text message, you can receive an audio message, and you can also continue the conversation. Tell me a little bit how that works. Uh, When someone sends you an audio message back, what format does that come in? 
I'm not 100% sure. Well, just, I mean, how, how does it work? I mean, how does one... Oh, okay. So you'll get your reply and it'll say, uh, Steph answered your question. And um, you'll you'll tap and then double tap. There's a play button. And then it'll you'll hear the person's voice. So you'll hear my voice saying, Hi, um, your milk expires on uh, November 12th. Wow. Now that's pretty cool. What do you think, Jason? <laughs> it seems it seems like it's a bit more customizable than some of the yes. other apps where where you can opt to take a picture or a video. Yeah, so the video has <clears> been a bit trickier to obviously include. Um it's something we are working on. I'm not sure if it'll be available instantly when we launch, but mm-hmm. um there's so many exciting things to come with it. So we'll we'll start with the basic function of the app and then Progressively, as people use it more, we'll add more features. Oh, how wow, exciting! That is really, yes, um, I really maybe, like the way. Maybe oh, I go can ahead. Just talk about how we're different. Absolutely, please do. So we know that, for instance, like Tap Tap C is uh, used a lot. It's like, I was quite surprised, even coming back home to South Africa, it's used here too. The main thing what we want to try and do is that you can ask your question, so you're like empowered in that way. You don't have to just take a picture and hope it's going to tell you exactly what you need to know. Like, I mean, another example is now if you spilled coffee on your shirt. Uh, I don't really know if Tap Tap C is going to be able to answer your question saying, uh, have I got all the coffee out of my <laughs> shirt before mm-hmm. I go into my mm-hmm. meeting? Mm-hmm. Um, other things then also, like I said, it's really quick and friendly um, and you'll get your answer within a couple of seconds. Uh, unlike, for instance, other apps that use FaceTime, that could also be a bit daunting. We've asked our community what they think about that. And they said, well, you know, I often feel like a burden. So I actually don't want to use, for instance, Be My Eyes, because I don't, I don't know if my question's worth bothering someone right now. And ours instead is very quick, very simple. You know that there's going to be someone on the other end who will will respond and you can carry on with your day. Um, I know in the South African market or in developing countries, uh, data is also quite expensive. Mm -hmm. So that's why being able to send it through just with a quick text and and message, um, text and and picture is a lot more cost effective than having to try and now FaceTime someone who might be on the other side of the world. One of the things I'm appreciating too is that not only do – does someone maybe feel like they may be bothering somebody with be my eyes, but you're also waiting on hold for that person. And it can be a little daunting in terms of, Oh, I might not feel like being terribly sociable right now. I just want to get this thing done. Yes. And I think also uh, a lot of, well, one of my friends, for instance, she is a bit self-conscious. She doesn't necessarily want um, a complete stranger to be seeing her. So that was another reason why, it's very much on a first name basis and you can put a profile picture if you want, but you don't have to. Things like that we've definitely taken into consideration. That is great. I love all the customizability. <laughs> it sounds like it's open to many more things yes, in the future. Definitely. And we've gotten some feedback that also the deafblind community would be able to use our app. We might just have to change a couple of things, but it would be accessible to them too. Fabulous. Oh, how cool. This is going to be a great <laughs> app. I can already tell. Now, I've tried them all. I've tried every one of them. I used to be an access technology trainer, and okay. I have tried every single one of these apps out there. And I have to say, you guys really sound 
innovative in what you do. I can't wait to try it. Another thing um, in terms of service we're trying to get across, um, we want people's suggestions. Mm -hmm. That's the best way we think it can grow. Mm -hmm. Um, I know in South Africa, we don't have money recognizer for our currency. So that's something we're going to certainly uh, look into in January. That's cool. Jason, have you tried to sign up for their um, beta testing team yet? I, I plan on doing that today. I haven't gotten to it yet. Thank so the, you. <laughs> uh, so the answer mm-hmm. would be no. Okay. How many beta testers do you assume that you currently have right now? Today is Monday. I think there are about 25 people using it okay. at the moment. All right. We've had to play around a lot. Uh, with different time zones, different routing, um, different languages, things like that have been important to us to try and figure out. And mm-hmm. I know, like Jason, you mentioned with Be My Eyes being on hold and waiting for someone to answer, uh, we're trying to figure out the best way for your question to be sent. And we're ch- at the moment, we think it's going to be in terms of your time zone. So, uh, me sitting in South Africa, it'll probably be myself plus then the United Kingdom and Europe. And if someone within that block sends a message, then people within that who speak the same language as you can reply. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was having problems with your time zone. I'm going, when am I going to speak with her? <laughs> yeah, it's a bit complicated, but I'm very much used to it okay. by now. All right. Could each user maybe, like whether blind or sighted, indicate the languages they speak maybe? Yes. So when you register, it is on the page. Um, And what we're going to do is also try and tailor it as much as possible to a local market. So at the moment, I think there's your English, there's French, Spanish, Italian, and a few other languages. Uh, But we also hope, so for instance, like in South Africa, we have 11 official languages, uh, so we're hoping to develop the app through our National Research Council in uh, our more traditional languages. Wow. How much time would you say that there is before you guys go live? I'm curious. Have you guys submitted to Apple yet? Um, the reason I'm asking is because I'm wondering how many people uh, you guys want for beta testing. Okay, so uh, we are hoping to go live in December. That's our our go-to time, hopefully. Very excited about it. And we're trying to get the message across around the world. So uh, I'll be hopefully doing some radio interviews with a radio station in Australia, uh, a couple in Europe, one here locally in South Africa, and hopefully one or two in the U.S., um, and then in terms of beta testing, it's not so much at the moment that we're focusing on the beta testing. It's kind of wrapping up, but that we want people to be more in our da- like database so that when we do launch, you'll be notified. So I think that page will be changing relatively soon. So you can still sign up, but you might not necessarily be part of the beta test itself. You might now just form part of our community. So when we do launch, you'll get a, an email inviting you to download our app. Cool. Maybe uh, you two would know this. We have a focus function in the app, but we can't figure out which specific sound to use to state that it's now the screen is focused or the camera has focused. Oh, oh, oh that's interesting. So, because uh, obviously we've had to use different sounds. So there's like a certain clicking sound saying, um, waiting for your message to load. Then there's another click sound to say, okay, message has been sent. Uh, yeah. So, so I wonder if the vibration, could, oh, I'm sorry. No, I was going to say, I wonder if the, Vibration could be used to indicate when 
the focus is not there. I know there's some apps I'm thinking of that that do this so that when you're tilted or something, the the focus isn't right. It it vibrates, and then when you get it level, it stops, it, it stops vibrating. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, they um, like that. that's on KNFB Reader. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. Another thing that you might try, maybe a snapping sound could indicate that the camera is on and, yes. and working and seeking. And if it stops, it's in focus. Something like that, maybe? Okay. Okay. Yeah, we'll definitely uh, look into it. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks. I just wanted to pick your brains while I had you. Ouch. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> now, the KNFB Reader, I don't know if you guys are familiar with uh, with that one, um, but that's going to cost you you know, some. So let, let's make it clear. So when, when your phone is level... There's no vibration. When it's tilted, even just an nth degree, it starts vibrating right away. Okay. And that might be the most logical way to go, actually. Okay, thank you. I'm keep taking notes right now. That's fine. <laughs> see, we helped her now. Yeah, and that might, that might actually help. Yeah, see? Um, that might actually help the deaf blind, too. I like having um, these types of conversations with everyone because you feel like you own a little portion of the app. By the end of it. Oh, I, I do yeah. own it, yes. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Is this all on a voluntary basis so far, or do you plan to monetize in some way in the future? We'll definitely be monetizing it in the sense that it won't be free uh, for vision impaired people to use. It'll be free to download, and then after that, it's been actually our most complicated part to figure out this year how to monetize the app. Uh, just to explain, we're not a charity, but we're more a social organization. And we've been looking into into different ways. So our sighted people are volunteers, but we'll have a couple of interns on standby in different time zones just in case. So your question definitely won't get lost uh, in the midst. So don't like there'll always be someone out there to answer your questions. Um, but in terms of the of the usage, we want to make sure that there's a good quality and that we can always update the app when necessary. And it, to be able to do that, we need funds mm-hmm. and we need to be able to pay our, our tech team. So we're hoping that vision impaired people support us in that way. The reason that we both wonder about this is because there have been times when certain applications uh, were free and everybody was using them and they were just great. It's nice to know up front that you guys really do need money to uh, continue and uh, you're being upfront with that. That's really good to know. Yes, we want to make sure that we're as sustainable as possible. Mm-hmm. And to be able to do that, and we've got some great guys helping develop the app, and to be able to keep them on board is important. So mm-hmm. yes, we will be we will be charging for the uh, for vision impaired people to use the app, um, but it won't be anything exorbitant. Do you think it'd be like a, a monthly, or do you have any idea how uh, it's going to so work? I think we'll be able to do if you want to buy like an annual subscription. And then you just pay once off and you don't have to worry about it for the rest of the year, which I think is probably the most convenient way of paying for it. Um, otherwise, uh, in bundles. So I think quite similar to, to TapTapC's model. Okay. Mm-hmm. And we've had to really play around with prices in the sense that I think yeah. developed countries compared to, I mean, in the U.S., a price could be quite different. What do you find affordable to a person sitting in South Africa uh, could be quite different. So we've had to definitely make sure that it's affordable for everyone. Mm-hmm. So I know we launched our second video today oh. on YouTube. 
Um, I'm not too sure if either of you have had the chance to to check them out. I've checked the first one out, yep. Okay, so there's a bit of sound in that one of uh, my friend Esteem using the app. You can hear her voiceover working. Something in our, our videos, they don't have someone speaking. They don't have a description, so, mm-hmm. someone descri- an audio description. So in the um, YouTube description pane, I've filled out what actually is happening in the video. So I think our first video uh, is a lot more audio friendly. The second one, not so much. So I made sure that the description underneath is quite clear exactly what's happening. We are hopefully working on our um, expansion. So we're hoping to be able to include object recognition into our app. It, again, won't be something that we launch with, but it'll be coming soon. Um, we've had to find like different types of technologies in terms of object recognition. Because for things like if you keep taking a picture of the same thing, you don't want to have to keep asking the same question every time. So mm-hmm. hopefully they able to store it so after the first time that you send your question out we'll store it and if you take a picture of the same thing you'll get you'll be able to listen or to the same reply uh, wow this sounds quite- fantastic um <laughs> yeah, yeah. When I was, so that's what I really look forward to when i was using oh, i'm trying to think of what it was I, it was tap tap c i think see this was a really exciting time when tap tap c came along um i was doing all kinds of really strange things to see uh, you know to, to test it well i have um my coworker at the time took a picture of a clock and it was a clock hanging on the wall and the answer came back it's a clock and the time that was showing was like it, it was off. By the way, it was like eight twenty-one p.m. Um, so it was a it was a clock with hands. So somebody was able to actually read that and yes. tell us the time. Now that's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. So you guys are kind of thinking along those those lines of that type of yes. object recognition. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So we're we're quite excited. I think because we've got such a great tech team. Um, they're, they're the ones who really get all excited about the different types of technology they can include in the app. Things like knowing if the light is on or off in a room, that's something we've heard from our beta testers that they would like. Uh, mm-hmm. so that's also something hopefully coming in the future to, to be able to have a light sensor. And also in the app at the moment, I think they're busy working on knowing if the picture is too dark. Uh, I think last meeting we had that was exactly it they'd noticed that a few oh. people had sent through pictures that were too dark that a sighted person couldn't really see quite clearly so now we're able to tell you know your, your photo is too dark try again could there be like another sound to let us know that the lighting is incorrect rather than just to be told so you have to take a picture again do you think okay i think there could certainly be something like that thanks for the suggestion <laughs> yeah um Okay. I'm trying to think of what could be used. Even if it voiceover just said more light needed or, or something like that, okay. because that I wouldn't think would be so variable as much as the focus yeah. issue. Yeah. Um, it's just like, hey, it's too dark. Put the light on. Okay. I, I, I don't know how that could be linked with voiceover. Uh, I'm just trying to think in my in my head how that would how that it could relate back because I've never heard anything. Yes, actually, I have. When you're when you're doing a selfie, for instance, uh, your mm-hmm. your camera will let you know if you you know if you're full face. Uh, oh, it's in the picture. Yeah, so maybe yes, maybe it right. could be. I don't know how it could be done, but since you got such a crackerjack team, um, yeah. maybe they could figure out how that might link to voiceover. That would be perfect if they could do that. Okay. 
Okay, I'll definitely let them know. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you did mention it. We are new, and this is our first time doing an accessibility app. So the more help, the better. Yeah, no, I realize that the more sounds that are sometimes people might uh, wonder what the sounds mean. So maybe either a short uh, tutorial, a sound tutorial. Okay. Would be when you hear this sound, <laughs> whoop whoop whoop. <laughs> then this is happening. You know what I mean? Okay, that's a very good idea. Thanks. Because we we do have something saying just how frequently asked questions and how to use the app. So I think a sound tutorial will will, will add another um, level to that. Now the reason I mentioned that is because I just finished doing a sound tutorial on the ACB link, and I did the okay. tutorial for that, and uh, I added sounds and stuff. So. Um, uh, that's, yeah, that's you did why a very good job on that. Oh, oh, yeah, the ACB you. app is new. I, I remember seeing that it just came out. It just came out, yep. So yep. you'll hear my bye voice on the tutorial. <laughs> <laughs> we actually attended the ACB conference last year in Las Vegas. Okay. That's where we, we did our, our very, very first market research. Wow, great. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. We'd really like people to sign up and be part of our community and the sooner the better, because I think we've got so many new things to announce that if you either follow us on Twitter, at BeSpecular, or sign up on our um, database, bespecular.com forward slash sign up, uh, that would be really, really cool to have everyone on board. Yeah, I didn't know you guys had a Twitter page. I will uh, definitely sign up for that for sure. Yeah, yeah I think we've got yes. something like 2,000 followers. We're, we tweet a lot. You have that many, really? Yes. I, I wonder where I've been. <laughs> yeah. And our um, our database of people, our be our beta testers, I think we got about three hundred and fifty in total from twenty four countries. So wow, yeah, that's great. Appealing to lots of people. Can I maybe uh, also talk about what we're trying to do for the like developing countries? Please. Uh, so we know that um, in developing countries like South Africa, with 90% of our visually impaired community live in um, low-income households. So there's a chance that they don't even have a smartphone, which means they won't be able to access our app. And we feel that it's really vital that they have a better quality of life through using our app. So what we're trying to do is partner with organizations. I know we're um, dealing with Microsoft and their BizSpark program at the moment, um, trying to get either Apple or some other uh, Android devices to be sponsored. And then with that, a corporate could then say, all right, we're going to sponsor uh, 50 visually impaired people in Africa to have a smartphone, a SIM card, and a monthly data bundle. And on that smartphone, we'll preload it with different accessibility apps. I mean, we could even include training material, things like that, that really could um, improve anyone's uh, standard mm. of living. And that, that's something that we're going to work very hard on next year, getting out there and getting the message across. Um, we're working extremely closely with the South African Council of the Blind. And hopefully what they'll be able to do is give us the people who, um, the trainers. And what we'll do is we'll train the trainers how to use our smartphone and our apps and then they'll go to the very rural parts of, of South Africa and other African countries and distribute and you know teach everyone how to use these and open up a whole new world of the internet and 
probably will see a lot more visually impaired people uh, employed too. How great is that? That's really some great <laughs> that information. really nice. Yes. That's next year you're going to start working on that? Yes. Yes. So we're starting to um, just form some relationships with different uh, corporates and then next year we'll we'll get the we'll get the ball rolling. You know, you guys aren't busy enough, are you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Not only developing an app and and uh, improving it along the way, but you're actually going to um, get the word out to other people so they can um, really enjoy a better quality of uh, living standard. That's exactly. Great. That's great. I'm pretty excited. I am too. Um, thank you. <laughs> I'm really looking forward to this app. Okay, thank you. We're very excited. We can't wait to launch. Yeah, great. And would you come back and talk with us some more on Main Menu? That's what I'd like to know about what's going on for your future. Definitely. We um, Hopefully we can also make an announcement on Main Menu uh, in December that we've launched. That would be great just to get the message across in the U.S. Why don't you do this? Why don't you record a little message and, and send that link to me as well? We'll get, <laughs> we'll get that out on the show. How about that? Okay. Okay, I'll include that. Um, Does that sound good, uh, Jason? Sounds great. Okay. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. I want to thank you for joining us today, and uh, it's been just a great pleasure having you with us. Thank you, Randy. Thanks, Jason. You're very welcome. Bye. Keep in touch. Bye-bye. Will do. Bye. Well, I don't know about you, but Bespecular sounds like it'll be a nice app. I especially like the ability to send the photo or video to a friend for recognition. Oh, and the audio feedback you get when focusing is nice. It sounds like they're keeping it open for any future ideas or suggestions that come down the line, so I like that. It was a pleasure to have Eric Bridges with us, and we look forward to having him as a guest in the future. I want to thank you all for listening. If you'd like to send us feedback, feel free to do so at mainmenu at acbradio.org. You can also find out more information on our website, mainmenu.acbradio.org. And in case you don't have it or didn't know, there's a new app in the iOS App Store called ACB Link. And it is, well, it is your link to ACB. It's got everything ACB as well as ACB Radio available to you right there in the app. You can also listen by phone, 605-475-8130. Thank you so much. We'll see you next week.